So the, the thing that got me into this, this whole linked data RDF method scene was back in the mid-90s, 95, I was working for an organization in Bristol that was employing librarians to catalog web pages. And it was part of this very navel-gazing that occurred when, when the web exploded and people wanted to know, you know what becomes of the library, what becomes of library-style information management when there's this gigantic web thing out there. Uh, so we had librarians paid to catalog web pages. And that's, that's a route that's been, I think, well explored and has more or less failed. Um, it failed not because it wasn't a good thing to do, but because it wasn't clear um, who was going to pay for it. It wasn't clear where librarians should stop cataloging. So for a while, there was an international network of subject-based internet catalogs that treated web pages as if they were library records and had nice portals you could go to and you could search and you could browse. And they, these were fairly well appreciated amongst researchers and in universities, but somehow swamped and overshadowed and obsoleted by the giant search engines. And, but there's still, I think, something to that. There's something to combination of uh, web technology and old-fashioned, old-style library practice. And I think we just need to sort of step up a level, and instead of having a librarian catalog a particular web page or a particular website, we need to find tools that they can configure and tune and adjust and plug together that um, bring a bit more automation to the scene. So the experiments we've done around um, bringing TED.com videos into uh, cross-reference with your library system is an example. It would be, I think, infeasible to have a librarian catalog each and every video. There's a thousand videos just on TED.com. But the sort of tools we've been playing with, so Mahout for uh, Apache Mahout for automatic classification, for example, all these tools need tuning, they need tweaking, the results that come back from them need evaluating. And the People in the field with the skills to do that, I think, are those with a library background rather than a, a technical programmer background. One of the changes, one of the exciting things about the emergence of the semantic net and, excuse me, the semantic web and of linked data or linked open data is that in addition to new tools, at least the promise has been that there would be some. You know, systemic change as well to the data that's being operated on and the metadata that's being operated on by these tools. Um, has much has, has enough of that occurred so far, the enriching of the um, general uh, range of stuff on the web to enable these new tools to work very effectively? Are we at that point yet? Um, I've, I've no idea how much will be enough. Um, I've, I've found myself surprised at the, the number of announcements that come past on a weekly, monthly basis, a number of changed and improved data sets we see, um, especially over the last couple of years, um, not just in the link library scene, but all kinds of data sets. And what I think we're seeing is, is a move from data where the values of the properties or the fields are bits of text to data where those values are references to other things in the web other things in the web that are described in a bit more detail. So instead of uh, a record having location Paris, where it's the string P-A-R-I-S, it would be uh, a web link to 
another piece of linked data describing Paris in, in much greater detail. And um, if, you, if you look at the kind of data that's come out, for example, the big uh, British library data set, I think last year, the initial releases of these data sets tend to be very string-based. So there'll be a set of records uh, with textual string values for these properties. And many of these initiatives, first they get the basic data out there, and then they come up with a new release a year or two later that is much more, say, uh, entity-centric, where the values in the data set are references back out to, to other things elsewhere in the web. And I, I th think this is happening not through charity or idealism or anything. It's, it's more like a distribution of, of labor. If, if a website focuses on its main topics, it can defer to others for describing geographic entities or topical entities or people. Um, just, it's, I think, quite a clear-headed strategy. It's to say we'll focus on the things we know most about and we'll link to other data sets rather than ma maintain our own for the rest. So, like, if you want to mention music, especially popular music, it's kind of crazy to maintain your own database when there's freely available music brains out there. Or geography, you can point to records from geonames or from OpenStreetMap. And, and this is the essence of, of linked data, in fact, is that the data... Um, in the best case, the data is pointing at uh, some other authority um, rather than having to try to figure out how you can disambiguate for your users which Paris of the you know, 100 Parises in the world, which Paris you meant. Yeah, but it's kind of structured laziness that you're choosing to rely on the presence of these other data sets and the more or less applicability of those data sets. And it's quite likely that the original purpose behind the, those external data sets isn't entirely aligned with yours, so there's often a bit of pain there. But there's quite serious gain as well. Um, and there's still guesswork in the data. It's just you're guessing more interesting things than whether P-A-R-I-S is an actress or a place. One of the consequences of this would seem to be that when you have multiple data providers pointing at um, the same sets of, uh, I'll call them authorities for the moment. I'm a little uncomfortable with the term, but the uh, same set of authorities of the sort that you've been talking about. It would, mm. it would seem that it makes it um, easier um, to join these disparate um, published data sets together to traverse them uh, with a computer. I is that correct, or am I just uh, wanting to believe something? Yeah, you're correct. That's how it seems. I think in practice the data is still incredibly sparse. Um, the I think the, sort of the rhetoric and the enthusiasm you get from you know, these hundreds of developers of all, all ages who are working get together to do this comes from this sense of we're going to connect it all up. We're going to get build systems that exploit these links. Um, in practice, if you look at the data sets, it's still relatively early days. So um, it's more a rallying cry than immediate practical benefit. Uh, but you do, at least you seem to be to believe that this is um, just a matter of time, that uh, when there's a sufficient mass of linked data um, available that we will get the sort of effects that um, the rhetoric has been promising us? I think so, yeah. And I, I think that not because of the 
the power and glory and so on of the, the data model. But just that there are so many fantastic data sets coming together. The, the, the work of the entire Wikipedia community has been reflected into this data model. The work of the entire Music Brains community has been reflected into this data model. Um, the, the sheer bulk of human activity on Twitter, for example. So I've, I've been looking in other work at the, uh, the links between Twitter and Wikipedia to see what we can figure out from those kind of cross-references. And it's not something that's necessarily using RDF technology, but the same the same push behind it. So if you imagine you're following a thousand people on Twitter, and maybe 200 or 300 of those are celebrities, they can be cross-referenced to descriptions in greater detail of those celebrities on Wikipedia. Many of those links exist you know, either in the Wikipedia data set or the extracts from it, so Freebase or DBpedia. If they don't exist there, they exist over in Twitter itself, in the URL field, where each celebrity gives their homepage or a link to their employer. Um, so again, it's kind of sparse data. These links sometimes break, or the URL won't be spelled exactly the same. Um, but we can, we can tell a lot about the users of Twitter from the links between the Twitter site and the Wikipedia site. And those are just two sites of many. I, I really think this, this practice of exploiting those links is really in its earliest days. So one of the fears expressed by m many professional catalogers um, and librarians uh, has been that you know, cataloging is a highly skilled exercise. Um, the it's very precise. It's rarely just wrong. You know, it's ar frequently arguable. But it's when a cataloger does her work or his work, it's mm -hmm. it's going to be basically right. Um, in a world in which things are linked up and they get linked because they're both have URLs or URIs pointing at the same place and somebody comes along and assumes and makes uh, some inferences and assumptions and somebody else is attached to the same, um, let's say, uh, book, ISBN or whatever, they've attached a misspelling of the person's name where they get the hyphenation wrong in Moby Dick or whatever, that mm -hmm. in fact this sort of cloud of data is uncontrolled it's going to contain many errors, and so what, on the one hand, might look like an enrichment uh, can also be seen as a degradation. Um, what, what do we do about that? You're absolutely right. There's, um, there's all kinds of strands mixed in here. There's um, the natural, I guess, caution or insecurity or worries we all feel when we're trying to figure out what's going to become of our career and our profession. And it's the, the, main, the main object of curation from the library world is undergoing massive changes, and it's not clear to anyone what that means for people's professional activities and their skills and what, what they should be learning and what they sh should be expecting to do in five or ten, nine, twenty years' time. Um, so that's, that's rattled a lot of people quite naturally. Um, at the same time, there's also a great sense in the in the library world of, of service, of working for users and readers and um, the students and researchers that use libraries and citizens that use libraries. And I think because of that, there's been a kind of love-hate relationship between the, the library perspective and the web. Um, simplest terms, what needs to happen is learning to 
stop worrying and love the web and love it in all its chaos and figure out, okay, it's kind of annoying. It's spelt, things are spelt wrong. Things are organized wrong. There's so much data there that we can't really manage it in traditional ways. But on the other hand, it's, it's an amazing time to live. It's the biggest linked information system that anyone has ever witnessed. And um, that's something librarians should be jumping into with both feet and trying to figure out what becomes of their role. It, it might mean staying up late learning statistics. It might mean uh, a slight change of career. It might mean you know, questioning what you were expecting yourself to be doing in 10 years' time. Um, but still, I'm, I feel regularly lucky that I've been around at the time when the web happened. And, of course, many, many librarians would agree with that. So, um, and we're just at the beginning of this, as you say. Yeah. Dan, thank you very much. Thanks.